97.5 The Fanatic. Now, to talk a little bit of Phillies, I want to head to the Comcast Business Hotline and talk to our good buddy, John Stolness, who does a tremendous job for uh, Good Fight, writer for The Good Fight, Bleeding Green, and host of the Hit and Season podcast. John, what's going on, man? Appreciate you joining me tonight. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Appreciate it very much. So I'll start off with this. Um, yesterday, a frustrating loss, a disappointing loss, the way that you get a big comeback from Bryce Harper with the big three-run home run. You think you have it set, all the momentum, get a big strikeout from JT, and then Craig Kimbrell looks a little human for the first time. Disappointing loss, but still a really big series victory over the Giants. Would have been great to step on the neck, but you're trying to win series at this point in the season. Thoughts on yesterday? Thoughts on the series against the Giants? Yeah, I'll take a look back, and, and the Phillies are not so different from the Braves in that respect. Uh, last weekend, the, the Braves won the first two games against the Giants, and then the, the Giants won the, the game on Sunday when the Braves walked in the winning run. So, I mean, they're the good teams. Uh, it's hard to sweep good teams, and I think the Giants are a good team, and the Phillies fought back real hard in that game, uh, in the final game of the series with that Bryce Harper home run. It's a shame they couldn't finish the job, but overall, I think the way they played against the Giants, that was a playoff-type atmosphere, and I think you saw – some of that assassin nature that the Phillies had in the playoffs last year return. And that all stems from really Bryce Harper rediscovering his power stroke. It, it now is pretty evident to everyone that Bryce Harper is a threat to hit a home run every time he steps to the plate right now. And that can't be understated. To have, that, to have him back, the Phillies really all season have been looking for that superstar, right? All their guys have done an okay job. Some of them have done above average. Some of them have, been, have done a little bit below their norm. But they've been kind of waiting for, for one of these superstars to really carry the team. And Bryce Harper has decided that now is the time to do that. His elbow's healthy. It sounds like he's got some other little things going on. But the power stroke has come back, and it couldn't have come a moment too, too soon for the filter. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be honest, that was my biggest concern with the Philadelphia Phillies going forward after the trade deadline where there was no market, right? There was no guys mm-hmm. like Duvall moved or uh, Teoscar Hernandez moved. I was a little bit disappointed, but I can only be so disappointed when there's not that many guys out there. And I was worried about the offense going forward because all season long, they were hovering around 20th in baseball in runs scored and in home runs when last year they were top seven in all of baseball in those categories. In the month of August, they've been tremendous power-wise, most home runs, top in OPS, and Harper seems to finally get that power stroke back, which is something that's huge for the Philadelphia Phillies. You mentioned the back, and you mentioned how he's got a couple things going on. What are your thoughts on Harper playing first base? How often is it going to happen? Is it going to happen every day come postseason time? Are they going to be extra careful with Harper now that he has this lingering back issue? Yeah, the most important thing is to keep his bat in the lineup. So if that's at DH with Kyle Schwarber out in left field, then that's just the way it's got to be. And and that's the most important thing. Everybody wants to get Schwarber out of left field and onto the DH spot. Uh, I think that's I think that's a big deal for that to happen. But, you know, Bryce Harper's back. He, this is not the first time he's had an issue with back spasms or back issues. And so, you know, there's a concern there that – if there were thoughts about him playing first base long-term, the fact that when you're playing in the infield, you have to bend over 140, 150 times a game for each pitch, that can take some wear and tear on your back. And when you've had issues with it, that's something to be concerned about when it comes to Bryce Harper. So my guess is we're going to, once this back starts to feel a little bit better, and I would imagine it'll be sometime this week, at least I hope so, he'll probably get back at first base, but it won't be every day. Um, We're going to have to continue to see Kyle Schwarber play a little bit of left field. And I think if they can, if they can find some way to get him out there for half the games 
at first base the rest of the season, I think that would be great. And just to, just to give Kyle Schwarber a little bit of a rest on the bench too, because he's not the healthiest guy in the world with his knees and stuff. So it would benefit everybody, but you've got to prioritize getting his bat in the lineup whatever that looks like. Yeah, you don't want to push him at first base and then all of a sudden you get a 15-day IL stint or 10-day, I think it is, for hitters yeah. because the back starts spazzing up on him. Yeah, so obviously you want him at first base every day and Schwarber at DH every day, especially come playoff time, but you got to do what's best for Harper, keeping that bat in the lineup. I completely agree. Uh, the other, or one of the other big money guys in this offense who has not been producing at the same rate, kind of our talking point tonight, is one JT Romuto, one of the best catchers in baseball, lowest batting average as a Philadelphia Philly this year, lowest OPS as a Philadelphia Philly this year, has also caught the most innings in baseball this year behind the plate by over 120 innings and the most innings last year as well behind the plate. Um, thoughts on JT Real Muto, thoughts on the season he's had so far, if he's able to turn it around, and just the workload that he's endured these past couple years. Yeah, it, it sure seems like the workload may be catching up to him a little bit. But, you know, JT has always been a guy where when he's not getting his, his foot down early with his leg kick, everything goes out of whack. And for whatever reason this year, it seems as though his timing has been off more than it's been on. And I don't know whether that's because of all the games that he's caught. I don't know whether it's wear and tear or, or whatever it might be. Um, he's just had a hard time consistently getting his front foot down early and driving the ball the opposite way. It seems like every time he comes up now, he's trying to yank something to the left side of the field, and that's just not his game. So I think he'll get past it. I, I mean, he just he goes through, the, through these cycles, and I don't know how long this, this down cycle will last. He seems to be having a lot of trouble at Citizens Bank Park this year. A uh, much better hitter on the road than at home, which is an unusual split for him. So I think there's some weirdness going on with JT. I don't know that it's going to continue on this way. I think you have to keep starting them, you know, five out of every seven games. I mean, maybe you give Garrett Stubbs an extra game here and there to kind of give JT a little bit more rest. And I'm sure the idea was at some point you'd get JT into the DH spot every once in a while, but that's obviously not going to happen this year. So you keep running him out there. He's your best option. And you know that he can get run into one pretty much at any time. And he's got to play in order for him to get his timing down. So it's frustrating. You hope he doesn't come up in a big spot and let you down like he did the other day. But at the end of the day, you got to, you got to play him. Absolutely. Talking to John Stolness does a great job as a writer for Good Fight and Bleeding Green and also host of Hit and Season. Uh, the rotation and yesterday, Michael Lorenzen. So Michael Lorenzen, unfortunately, isn't going to throw a no hitter or go eight innings and give up two <laughs> runs every single outing. Uh, was really bad two outings ago. That was the weird, what, nine days off or something. Had regular mm-hmm. rest and get what goes five and two thirds, gives up four and runs, a couple homers. Uh, thoughts on Michael Lorenzen was yesterday more of a blip on the radar. Are we closer to the average with him that outing yesterday, or is that closer to the floor? What are you expecting from Michael Lorenzen going forward this year? 97.5 The Fanatic. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. 97.5 The Fanatic. 
I think what we saw from him his last time out, giving up four runs, uh, pitching into the sixth inning, that's pretty much what Michael Lorenzen is. Uh, he pitched he pitched way over his head. I mean, he was he was doing Cliff Lee stuff in those first two starts, and and then he uh, fell back to earth. And you know, there may have been a little bit of lag after the no hitter, throwing all those extra pitches, and then having all that time that can mess up with a pitcher's routine and rhythm and all that. Uh, he's not, you know, he made the All Star team this year, but he did it with a, an ERA in the mid fours, and even he was surprised that he got named to the All Star team for the Tigers, and so. He's he this that's kind of what he is. He's a four ERA guy. Um, I think Dave Dombrowski. He, they didn't get him to be a shutdown starter every fifth day. They got him to kind of be someone in the playoffs that they can activate and use out of the bullpen or out of the rotation. Just somebody to give them some flexibility. So I think he I think he was pitching over his head a little bit in those, in those first two games. It does show you though what he's capable of. And it sounds as though when he came to Philadelphia and he reconnected with Caleb Cottom, his old pitching coach in Cincinnati, he rediscovered a changeup that he had kind of abandoned over the last couple of years. And so maybe he keeps working on that pitch. That pitch was working really well in the no-hitter. I don't think he's utilized it as much in his last two starts. You know, it's still a feeling out process. It's been a little bit of an adventure with him. I do think what we saw his last time out, though, is more likely what we're going to get from here on out from him. But that's still, that's still decent. You know, you just if he can keep the ball in the yard, that will be a big key. He got burned by home runs the other day. If he, he's got to keep the ball in the yard. If he does that, he'll be fine. Absolutely. So there was a lot of talk when Michael Lorenzen was dealing his first two out. And he goes, oh, we found the number two starter in a playoff series. And I'm thinking, <laughs> uh, all right, let's hold the phone a bit. Now, as frustrating as he's been this season, in my opinion, because of all he's done for this franchise, starting what, opening day since 2018, mm-hmm. because of all the great starts that he had last season, obviously fizzled out a bit in the World Series, um, Aaron Nola, he's starting game two of a playoff series. I, I truly believe that's Rob Thompson, what they are going to do. So am I crazy? Do you feel the same way about Aaron Nola? And also the contract that he may get next season, where Aaron Nola, obviously last year, the deal did not sign with the Phillies. Think he's regretting that a little bit. Aaron Nola, game two of a playoff series. Is he the starter? And thoughts on Aaron Nola's contract and if he'll be with the Phillies next season as of right now. I don't think there's any doubt that Rob Thompson would start him in game two of a playoff series. Now, I will say this. If if the rest of the season, if he pitches like he did his last time out, then I feel good about him as my game two starter. If he reverts back to what we've seen this year, I don't feel good about it. And depending on how, if, if Ranger Suarez is on his game and the way Tywin Walker is pitched, you could very easily make an argument that you shouldn't start Aaron Nola in, a, in the wild card round. Now, I don't know that I would go that route. We're fortunate that we have another, what, four or five weeks of the season left to, to really see if Aaron Nola can, can turn things around. And you're right, his ceiling is certainly higher than anybody else on the, on the, on the pitching staff other than Zach Wheeler. 100%. So, and, and that's the thing. And, and if that's how you're looking at your game two starter, you, you want to get a guy out there who can throw seven shutout innings against anybody when he's on his game. Aaron Nola is your guy. But it's really, I think, I don't think it's, I don't think it's locked in stone that he would be the game two starter. If he really okay. struggles down the stretch, I think Rob Thompson would have a hard time justifying that, especially if a guy like Ranger or Taiwan pitches really well over these last few weeks. So I think there's a chance he might not get game two, but I think it's way more likely than not that he will. And like, as far as his contract goes, I think he's going to get, you know, something like a five year, six year, 130, $140 million deal from somebody. I don't think he's getting 200 million. Um, I think he's cost himself probably 50 or 60 million, probably cost himself a year or two on a contract. But uh, I think he'll get probably a little bit more than what the Phillies gave Zach Wheeler, just simply because, you know, prices go up as time goes on. 
Now, will that be with the Philadelphia Phillies? Your gut feeling? Because I'm a little bit worried that this pitch clock isn't going anywhere, and this might be more who Aaron Nola is going forward, especially now that he's in his 30s and he's racked up all these innings since 2018. Do you believe the Philadelphia Phillies will be giving him that contract? I do. And I say that because Andrew Painter is not going to throw a baseball until 2025. Nick Abel is not ready for the big leagues. He's having, he's having kind of an up and down year in, in Reading. Uh, there's no one other than Julio Urias on the free agent market that compares to Aranola, even as, even with the way Aranola has pitched. And we know Aranola sometimes alternates good years and bad years. And so he could very well bounce back uh, in 2024. And you know, for a team like the Phillies, they look at a lot of the, you know, they look at a lot of the other numbers. They're not just looking at ERA. They're looking at strikeouts per nine. They're looking at, you know, spin rate. They're looking at whiff rate, walk rate, all that kind of stuff. And they see a guy whose peripherals are a little bit better than what the actual baseball card numbers look like. Now that, all that being said, Aaron Nola has thrown, has left way too many pitches out over the middle of the plate. He doesn't have a fastball that he can just blaze by people and get away with mistakes. He really does kind of have to be uh, really sharp with his command. But at the end of the day, if they don't re-sign Aaron Nola, I don't know what they do to replace him. They don't have enough in-house as a number two starter to replace him here. And there's no number two starter out in the free agent market other than a guy like Urias, who's probably more like an ace. And I don't think the Phillies, I think the Phillies will get outbid for a guy like that. So yeah, I, I think it wouldn't shock I, me if the Dodgers did all they could to keep a guy like Urias. I know their rotation and their farm stacked, but like that's a guy I could see the Dodgers re-signing early on in free agency, personally. Yeah, yeah. and, and Aaron Nola is a guy who I could see, like, you know, I don't know what the Rays are, are, you know, ready to give big money to a pitcher or anything like that, but he'd be a guy that, that, the, that a smart baseball team would look at and say, hey, listen, his problem is home runs. If we can figure out a way to get him to not give up home runs, he's going to still he's still going to be a really really effective top of the rotation starter. And so, as much as I I'm kind of mentally ready to move on from Arenola, like he's just exhausting yes. uh, to to watch and to talk about. Every start he makes, he, he becomes a focal point of conversation because he's so up and down. But you know, he's been here forever. I don't think the price will be exorbitant, but it it will be a pricey contract. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. John, we'll get you out of here on this one. Last one. Craig Kimbrell, as I mentioned, looked a little bit human yesterday. He's thrown a ton of high leverage innings. He's been the saving grace of this Phillies team. I couldn't imagine where they'd be if he wasn't as good as he was this entire season. Gregory Soto has thrown a ton of innings. Sir Anthony Dominguez, IL stint. He hasn't quite looked himself. And uh, Jose Alvarado, two I, I, excuse me, two IL stints this season so far. On paper, at their best, this Phillies bullpen is lethal. One of the best in the bigs, especially come playoff time. Your thoughts, though, on if they'll be able to hold up and what Phillies bullpen we will actually see as we go on to the home stretch here? I think they should be able to hold up. I mean, I, you've got four guys with closing experience, so it shouldn't all fall into the arms of, of one person. They should be able to kind of spread the wealth a little bit. Um, you, you don't have to pitch necessarily all four of those guys every single game. Uh, in, in high leverage spots. So the fact that they can spread it out among four guys should help. Uh, you hope the fact that Alvarado really hasn't pitched a whole lot this year, that he'll be fresh down the stretch. And same thing with Sir Anthony Dominguez, that he'll, he'll kind of figure it out. Remember, Sir Anthony Dominguez was struggling so badly at the end of last season that they had to make Zach Eflin the closer. And then Sir Anthony found it in the playoffs and, and rediscovered something and, and was very effective. So it can, it can flip a switch. And they also have, like I said, Lorenzen will probably become a reliever in the playoffs. Uh, you'll have Matt Strom, who they, a guy who they didn't have last year, who can really help them out. Chris Sanchez has proven to be able to get major league hitters out. So, uh, and then you have guys like Jeff Hoffman and, and uh, 
and uh, Vasquez, who's a good lefty coming out of the pen. I think they've got more options this year than they do last year. I'm not as worried about the bullpen because I do think that they've got enough hard throwers that they can wriggle out of most situations. But I do agree with you. They need to start pulling back the reins on Craig Kimbrell and, and Gregory Soto's innings because they are starting to get a little exposed. Absolutely. John, thank you so much for joining us, man. Again, John Stolness, uh, writer on The Good Fight, Bleeding Green, also host of Hitting Season. You can follow him at John Stolness on Twitter. John, thank you so much for taking some time to join us tonight, man. You bet. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good one, man. Thank you so much.